And a very good evening, everybody. It's the Big Kickoff Rugby Podcast. We're back here, the last one before uh, Christmas. In fact, the last one of 2020. It's been an interesting year for rugby. Delighted to say I've been joined by uh, Debbie Knight and Joe Harvey. Good evening to you, Debbie. Good evening, Peter. How are you? Not too bad. Yourself? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. And Joe? Evening, Peter. How are things? Not bad, mate. Not bad, not bad. Um... Like I say, interesting, uh, well, 2020, but what we're really going to focus in on is what happened the last couple of weeks. And boy, is there a lot to talk about and cram in the next 35 minutes. So here we go then. We're going to be looking back at the opening weekend of the European Champions Cup action, looking back at the Autumn Cup Internationals, talking a bit of Pro 14, also a couple of departures from the rugby scene uh, in the last few days, uh, Mrs. Diamond and uh, Cipriani. And I know Debbie wants to talk about something very interesting as well. So I'll, I'll save that till the end, Debbie, for you as well. But we're going to start with the opening few weeks of the Gallagher Premiership. Um, I think we've had about three rounds now. Joe, what's your early take so far? I mean, Exeter, no surprises there, of course. But there is a bit of a surprise with Newcastle, isn't there? Oh, yes. Yes, let's talk about this. They're not playing pretty rugby. I think everyone... Is, has voiced that concern, uh, that that obvious kind of thing at the minute. But the grinding out wins, and for a team that has been kind of sat back on their laurels since, well, it would have been March. They definitely they played a game in mid March before everything was called off. So they they played that game in mid March, and it's been the best part of nine months since they've actually had the opportunity to get back out there. So I think a lot of people certainly weren't sure what to expect from them. I remember being on the pre- on the press conference. Um, before before their first game against Bath and someone said how does it feel coming back to the Premiership and instantly being the relegation favourites which was an interesting call with, with Dino but um, <laughs> yeah, I bet it, was. it was yeah it didn't go down well but um, <laughs> but yeah no I, I'm, I'm obviously as, as someone who supports the club I'm delighted with what's going on we've seen Gary Graham become go from this open side to this abrasive number eight that seems to to be massive. I, I don't remember how big he was before, but he's definitely as big as his dad now, who um, obviously was famously a prop for Scotland and Newcastle. Um, yeah, no, they've been great. And then obviously Chiefs have just kind of cracked on as if nothing really happened. They had a one and a half week break. They're going to get a bit more of a break now, but I'm sure we'll come on to that later. And yeah, it seems a bit of business as usual. Wasps had a bit of a dip, but that's kind of the only real dip in form that I'm kind of really thinking about. Mm. Debbie, what's your early take on the Premiership so far? Quite thrilled to see Falcons doing so well and when you look at who they've beaten as well I mean they've beaten Sale, Bath and Wasps which is fantastic um, I think poor old Saints fans is one of the things I have to say they, they, I mean they've lost two games in the dying moments haven't they I know we'll yeah. come on to them at the weekend but for them to be sitting rock bottom it, it, uh, that's pretty bad really I mean I, they were a team that I would have um, tipped to be near the top when we had the restart I don't know what, something has gone very badly wrong for them um, Mm. during lockdown, it seems to me. They had so much strength, I think, and so many bright young players. um, And they've really, what a letdown they've been. Yeah, uh, Chiefs, wonderful as ever. Um, You know, they've come back just as strong, really. Yeah, you mentioned about, you're right, Debbie, you mentioned about Saints. I mean, it is a surprise. I suppose one side of it can say look it's early days yet admittedly I mean some teams you could argue have played sides they should be beating and other sides have played sides perhaps they shouldn't be beating as the case may be so perhaps eventually when we get back after Europe it might sort of level itself out but 
early days at the moment, if you were a Saints fan, you would be a little bit worried, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think Especially defensively. Yeah, it remains to be seen whether we're going to have uh, any demotion at the end, any relegation at the mm. end of this year. I, I don't think we will myself, but we'll see. Um, I think we're going to have a closed league. Um, but they need to be playing as if, they, as if relegation is there. Tigers got beaten by Irish. That's is that a bit of a shock? I don't know. Pro- probably not. Probably not. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I'm, I'm so, uh, it's fantastic having having the full program of rugby. I mean, I I particularly love European rugby, so I'm looking forward to this weekend again. Mm. Um, yeah, that another sofa weekend ahead for me, as as it has been since Premiership's come back. Really, we we'll come on to the uh, weekend uh, European action very shortly, Joe. So far, I mean, you mentioned a couple of sides, obviously. Has, has there been other teams that have probably surprised you early doors at the moment? Oh, it's, a, it's a very good question. Um, it's difficult to say because so many sides actually had quite such an indifferent end to last season because of everything that was going on. Obviously, mm. COVID put an end to some of the games. I'd probably say... Yeah, this is a difficult one as well, but I'm enjoying what Worcester are up to at the minute. It seems like Worcester actually seems to be playing with a lot of confidence. Obviously, they've been out without Duncan Weir. They've got Duncan Weir back, and it doesn't seem like there's been much of an issue there. Yes, they're not necessarily winning every game, but it seems like they're a side that's certainly grown. With the opportunities they gave to their young players, it seems like they've got a much deeper squad and are far more competitive. So I'm hoping that they're going to be a bit more competitive as, as someone who, as much as I'm you know, Falcons fan, resides in the West Midlands now. So... It's, you know, you, you kind of want to see them do well. And yeah, and I suppose Irish as well, they've kind of got that renewed optimism of the new home ground, which looks stunning, which I can't wait to get down there for. Um, yeah, I'd say those are the ones, because it seems like every team's grown. I mean, we, we talk about this whole relegation promotion thing at the moment. It's the, with Falcons coming up and being so competitive so easily, it kind of made, it strengthens that argument more than anything, which which is kind of annoying when you, when you look at the grand scheme of things and the traditions of rugby and the way things have always been done. But no, it's, you know, it's been great. It's been great viewing, I think, for those first three weekends. You, you've never known exactly what's going to happen. Mm, very much so. Well, of course, that returns shortly. Uh, let's get on to Debbie's subject now. She's itching to talk about the <laughs> Champions Cup. <laughs> Understandably so, Debbie, quite right. We've had the opening weekend... Um, some some good games, it has to be said. Uh, they have. I mean, I, I'm sure you're the same as me. I always take these games as a marker for who's likely to win the Six Nations. Yeah, yeah, um, good point. Yeah. And at the, France are carrying on where they left off, really, aren't they? Absolutely. I mean, out, out of ten games, five were beat, were won by the French. Only only one French team lost. Um, I, I'm finding it quite hard to see past Leinster for the Champions Cup this season but unless the French team perhaps Claremont the nearly men will they come in there I don't know um but yes yeah, some great some great games um the premiership teams didn't do very well at all did they unfortunately they didn't um I'm going to put my Harlequins hat on there and say they were probably one of the most disappointing sides uh, well I say most disappointing for 40 minutes you'd have to say they match Munster but I'm afraid it was indiscipline, wasn't it? You know, oh. and, and Gussie was on a Zoom call with ourselves earlier and, and he put his hat up and said the same thing. You know, you, you can't afford, well, you can't afford one yellow card against a side like that. But when you get three yellow cards, 
to be fair, you've got no chance. And to be fair, also, yeah, they did really lose their indiscipline, which is a pity because, like I said, for 40 minutes, they were pretty well up there, weren't they, with Munster? They actually could have had a fourth, I think. I think Joe Marler was quite lucky that he yes, wasn't. Yes, yeah, I agree. I, no, I agree. Really? I totally agree. Um, you know, you're, you're, I've been, to, been lucky enough to beat go to Thomond Park twice. And admittedly, it's not the same without the crowd there, obviously. But you, you're not going to win against Munster with 14 men for 30 minutes. Impossible. Mm. No, totally agree with you. And like I said, Paul Gustav put his hands up today and said exactly the same as well. Now, of course, it puts more pressure on Quinns. I mean... When these pool stages uh, originally came out, Joe, <laughs> you looked at that and you thought, well, Quinns, to be fair, have got no chance. And obviously, if they had a sneak to result against Munster with Racing to come this week at the Stoop, you could have said, well, you never know. They could be in it. But realistically, I mean, it's going to be a massive game for them this weekend, isn't it? Yeah, of course it is. I mean, I think the only saving grace is, is how, you know, poor Racing 92 looked in the closing stage of that game against Connacht, because Connacht's getting a losing bonus point is one of those where you kind of have to sit there and say, that still gives them the opportunity because a lot of teams are likely to lose at least one of these games. And obviously we're not sure at present what's happening with, with Exeter, with their current scenario, what's going to happen with the awarding of points, because I'm imagining Toulouse is going to get that. But then when it comes to the Glasgow-Leon game, the waters become a bit more murky. So it's uncertain what's going to happen there. Um, but I mean, if Quinns were to to win, I think they'd give themselves a chance because Racing in particular, obviously they were finalists last season and to be the finalists, that's going to give them confidence going into the latter rounds of the, of the group stages. And if not, what's the worst thing that happens this year is you get put in the Challenge Cup and they're technically, when you look at on paper, they're one of the, and I'll do my air quotes for everyone, my, uh, they're one of the stronger teams mm. when you look at that, that mere demotion. So it, even if they did lose, I don't think it's by any means the end of their European ambitions this season. Mm. Mm. What was your overall take on the weekend action then, uh, uh, Joe? Well, uh, well, obviously the, the Friday games were a bit... Well, actually, to be fair, that Toulouse-Ulster game was amazing, actually. I really enjoyed watching that. Mm. Um, but I think the one that typified it, for me, was certainly that Bristol game against Claremont, which was, firstly, and this is something that's very niche, but it's like, it was on free-to-air television, it was on Channel 4. And then you see one of the highest scoring games of Champions Cup rugby possibly ever. I'm not the, st I'm not the stats guy at EPCR, but um, you see that it's on, it's on free to wear and it kind of puts to bed all those chats everyone was having in the previous weeks talking about attack and the evolution of attack and, you know, people not looking for the space in the ways they're used to kicking too much. And actually, I'd have to think there wasn't too much kicking at all in that game. And we saw one of the most, one of the best attacking displays I think I can remember in a long time, which might have said something about the Automations Cup probably does um but yeah no I, that was that was by far the best game and it was it was one of those where you saw the the depth in French rugby even if a few of those lads obviously weren't French but you got to see the depth that was there and kind of you know the talent that Fabien Gaultier has available to him and of course I think everyone should be praised players everybody the lot because playing in front of virtually nobody in big matches can at times appear to be extremely difficult but you looked at most of those matches and all right yeah admittedly if there was a crowd there they might have lifted them both sets of players true but I mean overall it didn't seem to make a lot of difference did it there was still that commitment there wasn't there oh yeah 100% I think you know I think a lot of people would have become accustomed to not playing in front of fans I think we saw Claremont did play in front of fans for one of their Champions Cup kind of mm. 
latter stages for the end of last season. So they, they actually have been accustomed in, in, to playing in front of fans before various different French lockdowns have come into play. So I think you would have thought going into it, maybe it would have been weirder for them going to a place where there are no fans. But they just, they just seem to have their you know, heads screwed on. It, it's, it, sometimes it's just things as simple as that, that that kind of describe exactly what happened. And they, they knew exactly what they wanted to do. And they, they played a Bristol side that looked a bit apprehensive about the first bow in Champions Cup, which would have been the first games for a lot of lads in the Champions Cup, actually, full stop. So, <laughs> another big weekend coming up. Have we already picked a winner? <laughs> I know Debbie sort of has her uh, two penneth worth there already. But, Joe, can you see an, an early winner yet? I know it's, it's difficult, obviously, after the first round of matches. but Yeah, I think... I think if 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 Exeter's COVID situation hadn't arisen and, and they were to be playing to lose, I would have said it would have been the winner of that game at the weekend. Mm. Now I've actually got to think about it and not just say I'm going to pick a winner from one of those games. So I'm going to go... It's got to be a French team, I think, at the moment. Um, I don't think it's fair to evaluate Leon on beating a quite weak Gloucester side. Um, I'll go with... Oh, I'll go with my heart. I'll say Toulouse. <laughs> Debbie, <laughs> go on, go back. I'm going I'm to stick with Leinster. I think I think they're going to yeah. make the most of having the the team that's beaten them the last two years not there. Um, although I'm, Irish rugby, I think is not in a brilliant place at the moment. Uh, I think French rugby is in a much better place. I'd love to see Claremont do it because I've got a few friends that are fans of Claremont, mm. but they just seem to have some sort of awful blockage, don't they, when it comes to finals. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go Leinster. Mm. They certainly do. Well, we shall uh, make a note of those predictions and uh, I'll come back and haunt you at some stage <laughs> if you're right or wrong, <laughs> as the case may be. But uh, as I say, there's going to be some super rugby, not just this weekend, but obviously carrying on throughout the uh, tournament. We're going to move on now to the... Uh, let's have a quick look back at the Autumn Cup International, which was finished uh, a few, well, a couple or so weeks ago. Uh, Debbie, overall... Was the tournament worth it? And do you feel we learnt anything from it? I think we learnt that Eddie Jones likes to win. Um, I find it... I'm a Saracens fan. I'm a Billy Vunapola fan. I find it regrettable that Billy paid 80 minutes in three games. Um, I mean, England... There were 19 tries scored in that, in that first group from six games, which I thought the rugby was pretty poor, actually, mm. and, and, and overall, and I, and I don't think anyone in the Southern Hemisphere will be looking and worrying particularly. Um, I'd have, I'd, I, know that, I know there were some new players in the England team, but I'd have liked to have seen more. I think Ireland could have used the opportunity to try um, some different out halves as well. Wales are a concern, but they tend to do this, don't they? They they all tend to go down and then be and then they'll win the Six Nations in two years' time. Um, did we learn anything much about Georgia? Not really, not for me. Um, yeah, I, I I enjoyed watching it, and I, and I actually thought that Amazon's coverage was good. I enjoyed it. Mm. I enjoyed the commentary, um, and I, I I obviously get good. Uh, service from Amazon. I've, I've read other people moaning about it, but I, I enjoyed Amazon's coverage. Um, yeah, of course it was worth it because we had rugby in the autumn. But I'm not sure we learned that much from it, really. Mm. What, what do you think? 
Yeah, I, I, I go along with that 100%. And I also echo your excellent words about Amazon's coverage. I, I thought they did a splendid coverage overall. Um, you know, it's the first venture for them, wasn't it, really? And, and to be fair to me, yeah, I, I don't think they failed, actually. Um, I just felt a bit sorry for the England fans that were the few that were there and had to pay, what was it, 75 or 85 pounds for something, really, that let, let's be perfectly honest and brutal. If you'd have paid 75 or 85 pounds, Joe, I think you'd be a little bit disappointed, would you not? Oh, it's, I've got to remember the last time I had to pay. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because... Yeah, you would have been disappointed, I think. I think you would have felt like you got your money's worth for the amount of minutes he ended up getting, you know, getting to see with, with what was it, like golden points, essentially, wasn't it? It was a throwback yeah. to the 2002 Football World Cup, really. Um, and, yeah, I, no, I, I, I thought England clearly went to win. I think Eddie said as much himself. Uh, I think everyone said as much themselves in the England camp that they were playing to win. And France, what France did, they, they ended up finding out they've got another 15 to choose from, mm-hmm. which... Just adds to that, you know, that dangerous France team that could be potentially becoming the second ever Northern Hemisphere side to lift a Rugby World Cup, potentially on home soil as well, which, you know, that would be pretty special in itself. Um, but yeah, I think, the, I think the key thing was it was good to see fans in, back in the ground, albeit, you know, it's, it's basically been one week and then, we're, and then London's back in Tier 3. So that, that's a bit of a shame as well. But, um, it, you know, sometimes you get these glimpses of the bright lights at the end of the tunnel and... You know, you kind of hope for more and more of it as time goes by. And I think, yeah, I think it was good. I think it was good to see fans back in Twickenham because that place is, you know, it's a cabin without anyone in there. Yeah, yeah. Even if they are paying 75, <laughs> pound, whatever. But no, no, in, fa- in fairness, you're right, actually. Joe, let's quickly go back to Eddie Jones. I mean, Eddie Jones has always been, look, mate, <laughs> I don't care how we win. A win's a win, isn't it? You know, if you want to see good free-flying rugby, yeah, from time to time we can turn it on. But look, at the end of the day, it's all about winning. I mean, do you go along with that, Joe? Yeah, I, I kind of I kind of do because I think international rugby, as much as anything, is about playing systems. Um, I think you see the best system players playing international rugby, especially for England, especially for England in the last five years in particular. Mm-hmm. Um and Eddie had a very clear system, which was we're going to we're going to kick it to the you know to the cow shed, cows come home and all that, and they, they did, and then they they won games without having to have much territory, without having to have too much ball in hand. Well, actually, no, with plenty of territory. What I meant with possession, they're basically no, they're not the same. Um, but yeah, just things like that. I think it was just um, yeah, I think winning no matter what it looks like, is sometimes the way you want to do things. And you see that in every final, generally anyway, whatever the sport is, I think in particular, you know, if you look at every Champions League final in football, mm. everyone goes into it saying it's the two best teams in Europe, this, that and the other. And then it's like nil-nil with, uh, on the 89th minute and then someone will nick it. Um, and England are essentially playing every game like that because I think they're terrified of losing again after the World Cup last year. Mm-hmm. Very good point there, actually. Thank you for that. Um, we're going to move on to a bit of Pro 14, but we haven't talked about Pro 14 for a while. Debbie, have you watched any Pro 14? Are you into Pro 14? Or? I haven't managed to watch any, actually, no. I haven't. Okay. Not the one for me on this one. That's all right, no worries. Joe, how about Pro 14? Have you been, I mean, Munster are flying at the moment. They won all their, I think, seven games already, actually. 
in that particular uh, Pro 14 conference part. And of course, obviously, they back that up with that, you know, when, when against Queens as well in particular. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those where um, this, is, this is the only, I think this is the only league that I don't have the necessary sports subscription service. I think that's probably the best way of phrasing it. But, mm. you know, you can keep up to it, you know, just through looking at score lines. Unfortunately, like, I probably wouldn't be able to look too much at performance, but when you look at results, that does give you an idea. Um, Munster probably, in my opinion, were expected to be one of the biggest, one of the better sides because the South Africans they brought in, obviously, R.G. Snyman. Unfortunately, his knee exploded, I believe, in his first game. Mm. Um, and But then Damien Dialendo, you know, he's playing well. But they've also had the opportunity to to see the depth that they've got. They've A couple of, I think it was Scrum Half that's come through, he's playing particularly well. And there's a couple of other guys that just pop up. And that sometimes is what the Pro 14's like because a lot of the nations have t- have players centrally contracted as opposed to in the premiership where it's, you know, kind of everyone's a bit adrift from from HQ, so to speak. So, yeah, I think I think that's what makes that league work. It doesn't necessarily make it the most exciting thing every week. Uh, but Munster have certainly put their hat in the ring for, for, you know, to be potentially in that final, wherever it may be at the end of the season. It's either going to be Murrayfield, Principality or, or the Viva, I imagine. <laughs> Very much so. Brilliant. Well, th- thank you for that, Joe. You've informed everybody about Pro 14, but it's good, actually. Yeah. But I've watched quite a bit of it, actually. And, and you're right. I, I think, I mean, you're right. I'll go along with that. I mean, Munster are always going to be probably one of the favourites, anyhow, before a ball was kicked, understandably so. But at the moment, they do look the, the team to beat. But of course, like the Gallagher Premiership, still a long way to go there as well. We're going to come on next to. Uh, well, two stories that happened virtually within a few days, actually. Um, the first props did catch a few people by surprise. The second, a few people have probably thought, well, that doesn't really surprise me. I'm going to come on to the first one that probably did catch a few people unawares. Debbie, uh, Steve Diamond has left Sal. Yeah. Surprised or not surprised? Very surprised. Very surprised. I died. Yeah, very surprised, and, and I think it's a it's a great shame. I think he's been fantastic um, for Sale. Um, I think it, I don't know, but I believe it might be for personal reasons. I, I think he can be, and I, I found him very nice when I met him. But I believe he can be an abrasive character. Um, but I, but I think that's a shame for Sale. He did great things with them last year, and I think they would have likely have been in the final possibly. Um, at the end of the year, had COVID not stepped in. I, I hope that they continue doing well, actually. Mm. Um, I, I, it, from my point of view, as a rugby league fan, of course, it's interesting to see the interim person in charge is, is a Paul Deacon, mm. a great of the rugby league world. Mike Forshaw is there as well, who was one of the truly great rugby league players. Um, I presume they're going to bring somebody else in um, from a traditional background. But yeah, that was a big shock. Joe, was it a big shock to you? And second question, who do you think could well be in the hot seat? <laughs> That's a tough one. Oh, it, it, <laughs> what I'll say is it was certainly a surprise. It, got, it was one of those things that a rumour popped up and it's put in my work group chat um, for talking about reunion. And I couldn't believe it because I was actually taking a week off and then all this stuff seems to kick off all at once as it, as it often does. And I couldn't quite believe it because just everything about him is sale like that ground that they were meant to get the planning permission for yeah. that's basically in the backyard of where he used to where he grew up so there was that 
that was a surprise because you know sell sharks is steve diamond steve diamond is sell sharks 290 appearances for the team and, and all this that and the other i think he's i think he's a shareholder of the team somewhere as well so he's got that involvement um but yeah it was a surprise um you know because his dna is all over that squad isn't it really when you look at it um some of them lads joined the academy steve was DOR. Some of the lads are still there now playing in the first team and Steve has been DOR for that 10-year that period. Um, but in terms of who's going to come in, my head kind of goes, and it, maybe it's because I saw him on the coverage at the weekend, is, is Sanderson from Saracens. Oh, no. I know. <laughs> it, would be, it would be heartbreaking for Saracens. <laughs> but I think, I think he's one of them now where he's getting to that point. It's kind of like um, John Mitchell at England. It's like he's risen his stock's risen whilst he's been this kind of assistant coach. And it's getting to that point now where you're kind of like, you're thinking about letting them go. It's like, same with happened with Gustav, isn't it? And, and even Borthwick, I suppose. Yeah. They've got to that point now where it's like, they need to run the show themselves for a bit to see how it goes. Which, you know, would Sanderson probably be the best? Yeah, he's Northwest. It's probably easy for fans to buy into after so long with Steve. Um, but yeah, I mean, the thing is, Steve's going to be successful whatever he does, but whoever comes in next, he might not be successful. So that's kind of the situation that, that whoever is thinking about that job comes into because that rugby community in the Northwest is, is, is very unique. It's probably a bit similar to Falcons, actually, my experience in the Northeast. It's, it's very much everyone seems to know someone in that dressing room and, and this, that and the other. And you kind of got to get a lot of people on side. Let's put it that way. You mentioned service. I mean, apparently you... Well, I would say odds-on favourite, but he's, he's certainly one of the favourites, anyhow. It, it probably wouldn't be a surprise if his name was actually announced at some stage in the next uh, couple of weeks or so. Could this have been problems that we don't see? Obviously, you know, in going back into the, behind the scenes, I mean, you just don't know, do you, um, Joe, to be fair? I'm not saying it is that, but, you know, who knows? Sometimes it comes out like this, doesn't it? Yeah, I think... What's one of the weird one of the weirder things about it was it came off the back of a win, yeah. which is when you don't usually see people. You know, you don't usually see people leave leave football. I mean, I mean, Slavin Bilic had been sacked from West Brom today. Drew against Man City yesterday, bizarre. But when you look at in rugby in particular, it doesn't. Firstly, you generally don't lose your DOR head coach in the middle of the season, especially at the start of the season, and you know, with with some players not even having played their first games by that point. But um, yeah, I think it was probably something behind the scenes. They've had a new CEO come in after Steve was was acting CEO for a period as well. Um, so there could have been disagreements there. I don't know. Uh, I know his mother recently passed away. So I, think, I don't know if that was kind of a catalyst for him to think, you know, I don't need this for a while because I can imagine it's quite stressful for a head coach of the premiership team. Um, so, so yeah, it, it was possibly something behind the scenes. He's probably had, he's possibly had a disagreement with someone and just thought, I need a break from this. And they've come to terms and he's, you know, he's departed and he's one of those people you're going to see him pop up somewhere else and he's going to do something brilliant because it's Steve Diamond and, you know, he, he's, what he's done with sale, for sale in particular is, is amazing, actually. Yeah, very much so. I mean, he's, he's, well, you could say he took them, I won't say from rock bottom, but from a lower part mm. of the table up to potentially a side that could have, as Debbie said, gone on and possibly who knows, beat an extra or something like that in the final. I mean, you know, that we we will never, ever know that. I know, I appreciate that. Mm. But anyhow, whatever he does, the very, very best of luck to uh, Mr Diamond. And likewise, we've got to say uh, bon voyage. Perhaps I've given the game away there. Um, Danny Cipriani leaving Gloucester. 
Debs, um, what's your take well, on that then? Interesting. I had a little look at his Instagram actually before we came on, and on the 6th of November, he put a post up that said, excited for the beginning of the season. It's very strange. Um, I read an article where George Skivington spoke about it today, along the lines of, there's no point keeping someone that doesn't want to be here. And he's absolutely right in that, isn't he? You know, if you've got a sportsman uh, who doesn't want to be where he is, they're not going to perform for you. Um, I, ju I just hope that he's okay, actually. I, I, he's one of the main reasons that I started watching Rugby Union. Um, so you won't find me saying a bad word about Danny Cipriani. I think he's an incredible talent. But unfortunately, he's one of these slightly flawed talents. Um, I don't know where he's going to pop up, but I hope he does carry on playing rugby. He's too much of a talent not to. Um, and an interesting signing for next season for Gloucester. They're, they're going to have to be thrilled at Adam Hastings. Mm -hmm. That's a fantastic signing. I was going to come on to that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but, but it, perhaps a little bit tricky for them for the rest of the season, but Adam Hastings should be fantastic there. They also yeah. have a good link with Scotland, don't they, Gloucester? They certainly do, and you're right. I think he's a super signing by far and away. It's hard act to follow, remember, Danny Cipriani. I mean, a man who gives everything in every game, it has to be said. But I go along with that point, what you were saying, Debbie. And, of course, you've got to remember, he hasn't been picked for the last few games. Now, I know um, they've been saying, Gloucester have been saying about, well, he's been carrying a niggle, and he's been carrying a niggle, and everybody carries a niggle at some stage, true. But could that have been a reason why perhaps, you know, his, his face wasn't fitting in the first team? And these things happen, don't they, as well? Um, Joe, so Mr Cipriani then, um, surprised, not surprised? Where do you think he could end up? Well, yeah, I think when I saw that he wasn't included for a few games, it was one of them because obviously there have been quote-unquote character issues in the past. Um, I think. It wasn't a surprise when I saw he'd left because I kind of felt like, you know, you're playing Lloyd Evans and they were playing that young lad at the weekend. And then when you see him leave and you kind of go, oh, well, that's a shame for the Premiership. But, but ultimately, he's, he's most likely making the correct decision for himself, I think. What is he, 30, I want to say 32 now? 33. Yeah. He's in his 30s. Gosh, right, I was wrong there. Uh, so he's 33. So he's definitely looking towards the twilight of his career, I think is the way of phrasing that one. Um, but in many ways, it seemed like that gloss of Danny Cipriano, that gloss, I mean, that's such a poor choice of words, but that gloss of Danny Cipriano at Gloucester seemed to kind of, it seemed to kind of rubbed off. It didn't seem like he was playing his best rugby like he was when he first joined. I think we all remember that, that first game it was when he lofted that 30, was it 30 yard pass, something stupid like that. And it, you know, he got it to the winger, he went in and over and it seemed like that had definitely gone off. And in terms of where he could end up next, um, He'd have to be somewhere with a with a coach who's a people person. That's I think that's funny enough. Obviously, when he went to Sale, he had that great relationship with Steve Diamond. And I mean, maybe wherever Steve ends up next, maybe that's where Danny ends up next. But um, I think it will be abroad. I think the best thing for him to do now is think about himself and his future and go abroad somewhere. So I'm hoping France. I'm trying to think who needs a fly half, <laughs> um, which is the main issue at the minute. Um, yeah, I think somewhere in France would suit him suit him down down to the ground to be honest um you know it doesn't even have to be anywhere like really high profile 
maybe oh, do you know what we'll, we'll say it stad france say why not let's let's put it out there and it'll be in them calendars by the end of the year by the end of next year i should say um you heard it here you know i <laughs> know <laughs> uh, yeah maybe there i'll say there brilliant i know debbie wants to come on briefly and talk about cte class action don't you uh debbie which i will yeah, fit I in i yeah. will fit in briefly just very quickly guys um just quickly going back to eddie jones in your opinion who should eddie jones be looking at who he hasn't actually looked at now and you think to yourself eddie come on look take a punt at this guy just one person quickly debbie over to you joe simmons i thought you might say that <laughs> <laughs> okay joe alex donbrandt mm. yeah that's can i good. ask why <laughs> um can play across the back, it, the back row <laughs> yeah can play across the back row very abrasive mm. and we've seen in recent weeks how much of a leader has become to that quinn side in particular captain them against northampton right. at short notice and then they played some wonderful rugby and he was part of that you know he's very athletic tall strong big everything about him and uh, he's a very level-headed guy as well he's a born leader you feel mm. yeah i was at that i was at that book super rugby final when he was when he was captain in cardiff met um when was that? That must have been like three. That was 2018 now. And he was a leader then. Uh, and I think now he's, he's just grown. He's, he's just grown into this, this man that you, you'd probably follow. You know, he'd follow to the end of the earth. And yeah, I think he, he definitely deserves a shout. Because when he played in that England 15 against Barbarians mm. game a couple of years ago as well, again, um, he was brilliant then. And he's just got better and better as time's gone by. Thank you for that, ladies and gentlemen. So we're going to end up with Debbie. I know, Debbie, you want to talk about CTE class action. Um, you've got a few minutes. Go for it. I just, I think it's been big news, hasn't it, this week? I mean, concussion is something that I take a great interest in anyway. Um, I would say it's worth listening to a different podcast. It's worth listening to Matt Dawson speaking about it, actually. Um, he, because, of course, he played with Steve Thompson. Um, he, he's, his viewpoint is very very interesting actually along along the lines of he you knew the risk when you went in um i think it's going to be very interesting um and i'm not i'm not sure that they if they're whether they're doing it for themselves or whether they're doing it to make sure that this can't happen again um i think one of the most interesting things that's come out this week is how it would appear that women suffer concussion more easily than men um so that's going to be an interesting thing to watch out for i don't know did you see the film concussion about american football yes 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 yeah i mean it's it which is fascinating isn't yeah. it um because it's not necessarily actually concussion is it it's just no. it's bumps to the head basically yeah. i do think since they were playing alex popham and steve thompson were playing things have changed incredibly and I do think rugby union probably leads the way when it comes to concussion. Um, I can't think the Arsenal footballer that felt that hit the guy that fractured his skull and carried on playing a few weeks ago. I mean, football. Oh, I, yeah. I believe they're going to start. They're going to start with concussion yeah. substitutions, aren't they? But yeah. I think rugby leads the way. But I think it's clear that there's still a lot more work to do. You know, they are brain injuries. Yeah. And they're life-changing brain injuries. And actually, they interview um, Alex Popham, I can't think of, the BBC podcast. And as he's talking, he loses his train of thought. Mm. And, he, and he can't get back what he was trying to say. 
Now I do that sometimes, but that's my age probably. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's I think it's a huge subject, and I got I think it's got a long way to go, really. Um, well, well, we've virtually run out of time. Um, Joe, thank you so much for your contribution. You can catch Joe on Talking Rugby Union. Uh, excellent uh, website. Talks all about rugby union, as it quite clearly says there. Thanks very much, Joe. Have no, a, thank you for uh, having me again. Absolutely. As always, um, have a wonderful Christmas. Happy New Year. And we'll speak to you in 2021. Debbie, as always, thank you very much for your contribution. It's been an absolute pleasure thank here. You on the Big Kickoff Rugby podcast. Um, we will be back in the new year. All it remains for me to do, Peter Morris, say thank you very much for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure. We will be carrying on into 2021. Have a fantastic Christmas, a wonderful new year, and God bless everybody. Um, thank you very much, guys. Thank Is that you. okay? <clears throat> yeah, great, great chat. Yeah, as always. perfect. Thank you, yeah. I know there was a lot to cram in and everything else, but... <laughs> Sometimes it goes like that. Other times, <laughs> you don't have so much to cram. It's just the way it all happens, doesn't it, really, more than anything else. But hey-ho. Mm. Brilliant. Looking, yeah. forward, looking forward to it. It's going to be interesting to see who gets the premiership contract, isn't it? For yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's, yeah, that is a good, good one. We will, we will hopefully we'll have a bit more in... Uh, yeah, it's, it's a concern, isn't it? They don't. They don't. I mean, I, as I say, I I thought Amazon were really good. I thought Paul Grayson in particular. Yeah, I really yeah. liked him. And right. but I do also have to say, Hugo Monia is fantastic. I think he's great man. I think, yeah, he's yeah, very good. He's so grown. I mean, and he's so unbiased. Yeah. And obviously, I'm sure you can imagine as a Saracens fan, I found some of the commentators have been yeah. dis no, disgraced. Yeah, I mean, he was challenging Danny Kerr on, you know, when he shoulder barged the guy right, off yeah, the pitch. Yeah, yeah. And he was challenging mm. him on that in the latest one. I think he's fantastic. Brilliant. We're almost right. up to time up. Thank you very much, guys.